Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, June 4th, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. And I had to turn on the heat in the studio today. 50 degrees in June. June 4th, 50 degrees. I have a little heater in the studio that... I thought I could put away until at least maybe November or December, NFL season. Instead, I'm pulling out the heater uh, in a week in which NFL minicamps begin, which should be summertime, should be summer weather. And, And you wonder why we're so miserable around here most of the time. Well, it's because we're getting 50 degree weather in the month of June. Holy shit. Well, uh, I got the heat going. I am a little bit warmer in here right now, but you know, I don't want to have to use the heat. In June, I don't. Nobody wants to have to use the heat in June. So hopefully, we can get some summertime weather sometime soon in these parts. But uh, until then, the show must go on. And today's show is presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. At DraftKings, there are no commitments whatsoever. Draft a different lineup every single day, whether it's Major League Baseball. How about this? The single game showdown in both the Stanley Cup Final and the NBA Finals. Pick six players in just that one game in each sport, six players only while staying under the salary cap that DraftKings gives you. So only six plays. This is easy. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up right now. Play for free with promo code PICK, P-I-C. Pick six players, and then just follow the action live on the DraftKings app. Again, sign up with promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com, and play for free with your first deposit. And speaking of promo code PICK, Father's Day is less than two weeks away. And you can use my promo code, again, PICK, P-I-C, to get a discount on golf balls for your dad. Come on. Like, you're not going to buy your father golf balls for Father's Day? All right, sounds good. It's the go-to gift, isn't it? So here's what you got to do. You got to go to golfballmonkey.com right now. That's golfballmonkey.com to get the best deal on golf balls that you're going to find anywhere on the internet. Use promo code PICK to get 5% off any order and get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Golf Ball Monkey has Titleist, Callaway, Nike, Pinnacle, Bridgestone, TaylorMade, and more. You name it, they have it. Golf Ball Monkey sells premium, slightly used golf balls at a discounted rate. And you might be thinking, used golf balls? Really, Danny? That's what you want me to get my dad for Father's Day? Well, wait. Hear me out. Think about this. How many times... Have you, or in this case, your father, opened a brand new box of balls, which probably cost him 60 bucks for a dozen. He took one of those expensive balls out, put it on a tee, hit it once, and lost it. A lot, right? Then what does he do? Takes out another brand new ball, and he hits that one. Everybody's probably wondering, what happened to the first ball that he lost? I'll tell you what happened. Golf Ball Monkey found it, and it's still good as new. At Golf Ball Monkey, they harvest, buy, and sell premium used golf balls to wholesalers, retailers, and people like me and you. 
a dozen golf balls will typically cost you what? Like I said, 50 to 60 bucks around there. At Golf Ball Monkey, you can get a dozen premium balls for under 20 bucks. I have a dozen Pro V1s, Titleist Pro V1s right in front of me. The Golf Ball Monkey sent me $12.95 for a dozen. $12.95 for a dozen Titleist Pro V1s. That's crazy. And while they say used, I'm telling you, I'm holding one right now. They might as well be brand new. And like I said, a perfect Father's Day gift. So load up right now at GolfBallMonkey.com and use promo code PICK, P-I-C, to get an even bigger discount. Swing for less this summer at Golf. Ball Monkey, welcome to the show on this Monday, June 4th. Again, I told you it is freezing here in Boston. I I don't know what is happening with the weather. I'm not going to spend too much time complaining about that, but I also mentioned NFL mini camps this week. At least I'm looking at four mini camps that are going to open this week in the NFL. These are mandatory mini camps. The Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, the Miami Dolphins, and the New England Patriots, so all eyes will be on Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, will they be there? Gronk says he's going to be there. Uh, There are reports that say Brady's going to be there. I mean, I expect Brady and Gronk to be at mandatory minicamp. If they're not, then you got a major issue. They weren't at OTAs. Those OTAs are optional. Uh, They're voluntary workouts. They don't have to be there. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to see them there, but... You know, it's not a major issue if they're not there. It's an issue based on all the stuff we've talked about this offseason, but it's not a major issue until they're missing from mandatory minicamp. And at least I'm looking at the NFL minicamp schedule right now. I only see four teams that will begin minicamp, mandatory minicamp this week in the NFL. It's Patriots, Dolphins, Lions, and Bears. And of course, I think it's the Patriots that have the uh, the most newsworthy minicamp because of the Tom Brady-Rob Gronkowski situation that will begin tomorrow on Tuesday. So I expect them to be there. I think a lot of other people expect them to be there, and I think they will be there. So when they do show up, you know, they'll probably speak to the media at some point this week. What will they say? They'll probably just, you know, when you show up to Gillette wearing that Patriots uniform, whether it's training camp, practice, you know, after a game, doesn't matter. I, I think you then fully zone into the Patriot way at that point. At least I will expect these guys to. But, you know, people are going to be asking questions. So it, we'll keep our eye on Patriots minicamp and whatever goes down this week at Gillette Stadium. I'll react to it on the second podcast this week, which will be released on Thursday. But uh, while we are here on a Monday... I got to talk about the top story, which is the NBA Finals, though the top story in the sports world could very easily be something else other than the NBA Finals today. And I'm not talking about the Stanley Cup Final. I'm I'm not talking about anything in Major League Baseball. I'm not talking about anything that Tiger Woods did or didn't do uh, over the weekend. I'm talking about Peyton Manning. And this whole new twist to the HGH story, you remember the whole Charlie Sly HGH? Remember that story? Well, it resurfaced over the weekend, and I got to thank Jerry Thornton from Boston Sports because Jerry Thornton posted something, and he he tweeted it out. And, uh, you know, if not for Jerry, I would have never even seen this. And I tweeted this out over the weekend. It amazes me that... The, the speculation-filled sports world that we live in, we, we, you know, we overreact and overanalyze everything. Think about the storylines 
currently in the sports world that are being blown out of proportion or, or that are being turned into these, you know, uh, dramatized events. And, and I pointed out on Twitter, it's Brian Colangelo, president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, he has a handful of anonymous Twitter accounts that are now, I guess, linked to his wife. It was his wife that was running the Twitter accounts. They were anonymous. They were giving out some inside information, defending some moves that he made. And in the process, you know, probably talking about some stuff that shouldn't be out there in the in the public. I mean, look, you can't do that. It's stupid. You look like a loser. You look like a clown when you run an anonymous Twitter accounts to either defend your own stance or knock other people. You know, you're a loser. That's that's basically what you are. But the way it was reported from the ringer, and I told you on the podcast last week, I mean, you want to talk about anonymous Twitter accounts. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Bill Simmons would know something about that. I'm sure he's got a handful of those, right? Uh, I mean, it's just the way it was reported. As if the guy committed a, a fucking murder was just a little too over the top for me. I mean, but but it's something like that. It's a story like that that is like breaking news on ESPN and, and all these national networks. And it's such a big story and it's such a big deal. And, and, you know, we speculate on stuff. I mean, we're speculating on anonymous Twitter accounts and how it's linked to his wife. Holy shit. All the stuff that we speculate and overanalyze and... We're ignoring, I shouldn't say we, because I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to talk about it on the show. But the major sports networks are ignoring this Peyton Manning HGH story, or should I say the new twist, the latest twist to the Peyton Manning HGH story. I will not ignore it. I will get to it. I'm just telling you, it could be the it could be the top story. I mean, if ESPN did want to report on this, so should I say if ESPN didn't want to purposely ignore this because that's what they're doing, they're purposely ignoring it. Even NBC Sports or Mike Florio tweeted out over the weekend, like, oh, I, did Peyton Manning do HGH? I have no idea. Well, how about you do a little digging like you did some digging on Deflategate? When you wanted to report, when everybody and their mother wanted to report on the air pressure in a football, like it fucking mattered to anything that happens on the field. I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. It it amazes me that in the speculation-filled sports world that we live in, where we overanalyze every little stupid fucking thing, it amazes me that they are ignoring more news that makes Peyton Manning Look like he took HGH. I'll get to what that is. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a top story in the in the sports world because they they're ignoring it on purpose. It's you. I mean, you go to ESPN.com. At least I did last night, and I yeah, I searched Peyton Manning, and the first story that comes up, the latest Peyton Manning story they did was from what like last week, a story about how Andrew Luck has is, you know. He's turned it around physically, like he's ready, you know? And he gets some advice from Peyton Manning. That was the advice, you know? I got a guy, and he's going to inject the needle into your ass like he did me and my wife. I don't know if that's the advice he gave him, but... <laughs> I mean, it, if, they, if they're going to ignore that one, too, maybe it would be good advice. So, they're ignoring it. It amazes me that they're ignoring it. I, I find it hard to believe that there are a lot of good... You know, basic. There are a lot of really good NFL reporters at ESPN, 
And I find it hard to believe that there's not one that went to their editor or producer or whatever it is, whoever they answer to. I, I find it hard to believe that there's not one NFL reporter at ESPN that went to their boss and said, I need to do something on this. I find it hard to believe that the, the reporters are ignoring it. It's not them. It's the people that run the station. It's the people that, are they still trying to get, who was trying to get Peyton Manning to do TV? Are they still, do they still want to do that? Maybe they are holding out hope for that. I mean, if they, you know, they go all in on a Peyton Manning HGH scandal. And, and it, I think if they do, I think they know what they're going to find. They're going to find that he did it. At least based on some of the news that came out over the weekend. And if they go all in on that, I think they could probably kiss their chances at getting Peyton Manning to do some TV or some some Monday Night Football in the future. They can kiss that goodbye. And I don't even know if they were going after him. I, somebody was going after Peyton Manning. I don't. It must have been because Monday Night Football. They have a whole new. It's right. Sean McDonough has gone. Gruden's obviously gone. He's now back in the NFL coaching. Uh, so. I mean, I'm sure if Peyton Manning said, hey, I want to be an analyst for Monday Night Football, they would <laughs> they would not hesitate to fire whoever they have at the time to make that happen. But they need Peyton Manning to want to do it for them. And if they go all in on an HGH scandal, he might not want to do that. <laughs> I say might. He definitely won't want to do that. I don't know if he wants to do it anyways. Here's the deal. They're not reporting on this. So it should be a major story, but they don't want anything to do with it. They are, they are doing everything they can to not do this story on the national networks. At least as I'm recording this on Monday morning. So, uh, you know, the top story right now is the NBA Finals. Golden State, Cleveland. I, I'll get to the Peyton Manning stuff in a minute. But I got to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do what, what, what everybody's paying attention to right now. And I think more people are paying attention to the NBA Finals because... I think there are a lot of people that don't know about the Peyton Manning story because, again, the national networks are ignoring it. The NBA Finals. Golden State is now up 2-0 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The first two games were in Golden State. Game two was last night on Sunday night, and Golden State won game two, 122-103. I don't know if there was anybody that was picking Cleveland to win game two. Now, I told you last week, going into game one, I didn't talk to you after game one. I recorded the last podcast last Thursday that was sort of an NBA Finals preview where I told you, stop counting LeBron James out. Stop counting the guy out. Stop saying he has no chance. He's got a chance. And you might be coming to me today saying, well, now that he's down 2-0, you know, it doesn't look good. Do you still say he has a chance? And yeah, I will. I mean, you got to win game three. And it's in Cleveland. And everything that we've seen in these playoffs is... When these series shift, when they go, you know, when, when, the, when the team that's down 2-0 going back to their own building, they're going to get a little boost. And uh, you got Golden State now flying to the East Coast. And you got LeBron in his own building. You know, I put my money on Cleveland winning game three Wednesday night. Now, Golden State Wednesday night is a four-and-a-half point favorite in game three. The problem with this series... Here's the problem with this series right now is this series should be tied at one. Like, you know, the, the way that game one ended, the, you look at game two, it's like, all right, Golden State's going to win game two. Again, I don't know anybody who was picking Cleveland to win game two. 
If Cleveland was going to win a game in Golden State, it was going to be game one. LeBron James had a 50-point night. What is it, 51 points? 50 points the guy scored. LeBron James is is having a NBA playoffs for the ages. 50 points he scores. And you got a chance to take a lead with, what, four or five seconds left in the fourth quarter. George Hill is at the line. You had some controversy with some some calls that got reviewed and then reversed. The, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, what are we doing? Well, we're reviewing fouls and then overturning them like that based on the review. I I don't want to live in a world where we are rev- we're reversing foul calls after they've been reviewed. I mean, couldn't you really do that with every single you, you could do that with a lot of calls in the NBA. I don't want to live in a world where we're doing that. I don't know why they did that. You don't have to agree with the original call, but the original I mean, I wish they would just stick with the original call. You call a foul, you shouldn't be able to change that after review. Anyways, you know, fast forward a little bit. George Hill at the line, all right? Ties the game at 107 with his first free throw. He's got to hit a second. If he hits a second, Cavs take a one-point lead with about four seconds left. He misses the second. Game's still tied. J.R. Smith gets the rebound, and you know the story by now. You've seen the pictures. You've seen every, you know, every, it's, it's been overplayed. J.R. Smith, what was he thinking? Who knows what he was thinking? I think we all think, we all believe that J.R. Smith thought Cleveland had a lead and he was running the clock out and thought he was going to get fouled or thought maybe, I mean, there's no way he thought the game was tied, right? Because he would have gone up with a shot. I mean, I I tweeted this out. I'm still not ruling out that he was going to run down the other basket and try to shoot at the buzzer. (laughs) Like, he didn't know what fucking basket he was at. I'm not ruling that out based on all the theories everybody has. But, I mean, the most logical one is that J.R. Smith gets that rebound on the Miss George Hill free throw. He thinks that Cleveland has a lead. And, you know, he he thought he was running the clock out with that lead. That's the most logical explanation. Now, it's a major screw-up. It's... (laughs) And and there is video out there today that is an extended version of of the the long break in between the fourth quarter and the beginning of overtime, because you know the story. It went to overtime, and Golden State killed them in overtime and ended up winning game one. Golden State ended up winning game one. So there's now a video out there today on Twitter. It has an extended look of the Cavaliers bench as LeBron is sitting there, and Ty Lu comes over. Coach Lu comes over, and LeBron says, "We got wait, we had a time, we had a timeout left," and confirms he had a, they had a timeout left, and LeBron just. <laughs> the body language is all you got to see. You should watch it. It's it. You should watch it. The body language is big. And uh, I don't know if that's going to end up being the moment where it's like, that's, that's the moment LeBron decided to get out of Cleveland. That's the moment that LeBron decided this would be it with him and the Cavaliers. I have no idea. But um, like, I don't know if that's going to be the moment. But you have to watch this video. Anyways. He's obviously upset with J.R. Smith. The whole team's upset with J.R. Smith. If you're a Cavaliers fan, you have to be upset with J.R. Smith. You get that rebound, you know, you either go up with that. Now, I don't even know if he puts it in if he goes up with it. Maybe it gets blocked. Or maybe he misses it. But, I mean, you could have called the timeout. 
and had a, had a chance to drop a play to inbound it and let LeBron take a shot. The fact that you didn't get a shot off there, that you didn't get an opportunity with a shot to actually win the game and prevent overtime, that's devastating. Now, you still could show up in overtime, but I think it was pretty clear. We all knew what was going to happen in OT. Here's my ultimate takeaway from that moment in Game 1 that everybody's been talking about, even after Game 2. And I think we'll probably be talking about that moment after the series is over. Is that, my takeaway is, you hit the free throw, you probably win that game. Now, I say probably because Golden State would have had a shot then to come down and hit a big shot. And you know how Golden State can hit shots from deep. Steph Curry, last night in Game 2, was hitting shots from all over the place. He was hitting shots from the balcony. And, you know, that's what Golden State can do. So, I mean, it still is a little strong to say if George Hill hit his second free throw, they would have won the game because there was still time left on the clock. Enough time for them to maybe get it down and huck one up, and, and who knows what happens then. And maybe they do get a buzzer beat to win, Golden State. Um, but. Cleveland, you have that type of game, a 50-point night from LeBron James, and you get a chance to go up one with a free throw with four seconds left on the road in Golden State, game one of the NBA Finals. You got to hit that free throw. We can crush J.R. Smith all we want. It was a a stupid play, an idiotic play by J.R. Smith. But let's simplify this. If George Hill hits his free throw, we're not talking about J.R. Smith. If George Hill hits his free throw, odds are that right now, on this Monday, June 4th, as the series heads to Cleveland, we're talking about an NBA Finals that's tied at one in which you got every NBA analyst and their mother all of a sudden, you know, flip-flopping going, well, maybe LeBron does have a shot. And maybe this will be the greatest you know, NBA playoffs performance in the history of the game. And, and and maybe the debate will be dead. Who is the greatest of all time? It's got to be LeBron. Now, you get P- That's what would be happening right now. So, if you're Cleveland, you had to win that game one. You had to. Now, Golden State's up 2-0. We all expected them to win game two. And they did. And Steph Curry was, you know, playing out of his mind and hitting, you know, big shot after big shot. And it was just, it was one of those games. You know, LeBron was upset. He was being yanked with like four minutes left. But it was, that's just the competitive nature coming out. I mean, you can't knock the coach for pulling his team at that point. I mean, it was one of those games last night in game two where I was, you know, I I was, from my couch, I was feeling bad for Cleveland. Like, I was feeling the effects of some of those Steph Curry threes because, you know, you saw Kevin Love start to hit some shots. You saw Cleveland. They just kept battling back. Oh, they get within eight. Oh, they get within seven. And they even go within six a couple times. And then Golden State would come down and hit a big shot. And hit an impossible shot. Right? And, and like, you can only... You can only keep up with that for so long. Before you get blown out of the building. And that's ultimately what happened. They got blown out of the building. And, and Ty Lue pulled his guys. And, hey, you know what? Let's go back to Cleveland. Uh, you were down 2-0 to the Celtics. Now you're down 2-0 to the Warriors. Go back to Cleveland, play in your own building, win game three. Yeah, that's what you got to do right now if you're Cleveland. And they're in their own building. They have LeBron James. I mean, I think Cleveland's going to win game three. And if they win game three, you, you know, 
Then, obviously, you go to Friday. Game four is Friday night. They got a shot at home to do that. And they get a shot to send it back to Golden State. Game five tied at two. I, 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 don't, I don't rule that out. I really don't rule that out. Not in this league and not with a team in their own building that has the best player in the league in LeBron James, in the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't rule out that they could send it back to Golden State in game five tied at two. I do not rule that out. A lot of people are doing that. I don't. But if it wasn't for a George Hill missed free throw and an idiotic on top of it play by J.R. Smith after the missed free throw, we'd be sitting there saying this series is tied at one. And a lot of people would be feeling a whole lot different. Well, you know, think about how you would feel if George Hill hit that free throw. Two games in Cleveland. I'm telling you right now, I could see this thing being tied at two going back to Golden State. I could see this thing being one of these seven-game series where... You know, it's Golden State at home in Game 7, and and that's just the way it's going to be, and then they're going to win at home in Game 7. The home court, I could see it. Uh, But what what I've said from the beginning was, you know, the people that are looking at this thing going, LeBron's got no shot, they're going to get swept. I mean, they almost won Game 1. They should have won Game 1 in Golden State. And if they did, what would people be saying about this series now? That's all. Just just remind yourself of what you'd be saying about the series if they ended up pulling it up. They didn't. I know. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. I get it. It's 2-0 Golden State. If you're Cleveland, you got to win game three. I'm not going to lie to you. I find myself rooting for Cleveland. I do. I've, I don't know if I've talked myself into it or what. I find myself rooting for Cleveland. Uh... There are a couple things that happened in game one. Like at the end, Steph Curry got mad that LeBron blocked a shot. And he's like, oh, what are you going to do that? Why are you going to talk trash after blocking my shot? Shut up. Yeah, You know, Steph Curry is coming off like this little prima donna punk. What, nobody can block your shot at the end of a game? At the end of overtime? Just because, the you know, it's not a close game anymore? And nobody can talk trash? It's a seven-game series. And Draymond Green is just, he's an asshole, isn't he? Draymond Green's an asshole. I'm sorry. He is. He is. He's an asshole. Uh, I don't root for Draymond Green. I don't like the guy at all. I just told you. I think he's an asshole. And, uh, you know, I wish that Tristan Thompson got his money's worth at the end of game one on him when he kind of slapped him in the face a little bit and, and hit the ball and hit his face. I wish he got his money's worth. I wish Kendrick Perkins did something on the sideline in game two last night. Steph Curry getting in Kendrick Perkins' face on the get out of there bench. Could you imagine if and and people in Boston could say what they want because they don't like LeBron. They don't like the Cavaliers. Can you imagine if we if the Celtics were playing the Warriors and Steph Curry, you know, standing in your bench. He's not, on, he's not on the court. He's literally in the paint on your bench. He might as well be standing on a fucking chair, sipping your Gatorade. And he's not going, he's just standing there talking shit. Get the, I would take that mouthpiece and I would just fire it across and then clothesline him. I'm, su- I'm surprised Kendrick Perkins didn't do that. But, uh, you know, I'm not rooting for Golden State. I find, and because of that, I find myself almost rooting for Cleveland here. I'm almost rooting for LeBron James. Um, I think they'll win game three. I think Cavaliers will win game three at home. That's what I think. So, whatever happens in that game, I'll react to it on Thursday's podcast. So, you got 
Game three Wednesday night in Cleveland. Golden State a four and a half point favorite. And then you got game four on Friday night in Cleveland as well. I did post a tweet at the end of this game last night. I said it was a it was a poll question actually. I said poll question. Are you a better basketball player than Jordan Clarkson of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Are you a better basketball are you better at basketball than Jordan Clarkson? Around as I check it this morning, around 600 total votes on Twitter, 77% Say they are better at basketball than Jordan Clarkson. 77% believe that. Jordan Clarkson, I don't even know why they put him in the game. They put him in, and he thinks he has the green light to shoot from wherever, whenever, regardless of how much time is on the shot clock, regardless of who's covering him, regardless of where he is on the court. He's throwing turnaround fadeaway threes. Like, I don't know what goes through that kid's mind where he thinks that's a good idea, but he better stop before LeBron James actually does murder him at halftime. Like, I don't know who Jordan Clarkson thinks he is, but he sucks. He is awful. And that's why I kind of, I obviously posted that in jest. Like, I don't think I'm better at basketball than Jordan Clarkson, but you get my point. There's a lot of people out there who who also believe he sucks because 77% on Twitter say they are better than Jordan Clarkson at basketball. If you actually saw that vote and voted no and took time out to vote no, you're, you're an even bigger asshole than Draymond Green. Okay? Learn how to take a joke. Obviously, the 77% don't think they are better at basketball than Jordan Clarkson, but they made their point. They're in agreement with me that Jordan Clarkson sucks, and he should stop shooting the basketball. In fact, Ty Lue should stop putting him on the court. That's what should happen. That's what should happen. So, that's where we're at with the NBA Finals. Uh, the Stanley Cup Final, the Washington Capitals lead that two games to one on this Monday night. You will get game four in D.C., um, by the time you listen to this podcast, maybe you listen on Tuesday, that game four is over. I mean, I'm rooting for the Capitals. I know there's a lot of people that want to see Vegas win. They want to see the Golden Knights win. You know, the Cinderella organization, not just in the NHL, but I think in all the sports. You know, it's their first season, inaugural season. The way the expansion draft works, it's a bunch of players that other teams wanted. So, They're in that room all season long, you know, playing the whole world is against us card. Nobody wanted us. So here we are. Why don't we go out there and win a cup? You know, that's a nice story and all, but I'm rooting for Ovechkin. I want to see Ovechkin hoist the cup, and I think he will. And Capitals now are two wins away from doing that. So uh, whatever happens in that game four or in this series, I'll react to it on Thursday. And before I get to some Red Sox stuff, I do have to react to the Peyton Manning story, like I told you that, that the major networks do not want to touch. And here's basically what went down. And and I don't, you might not be familiar with the Peyton Manning HGH story, but Al Jazeera, well, when was this? Was it two years ago? Was it last year? I've, I've lost track. Deflategate has really, over the last three years, because of Deflategate, I've been thrown off. Like, <laughs> whenever another major NFL story goes down, like, I always ask myself, was that uh, before Deflategate or after Deflategate? Was that 
BD or AD? When was it in the calendar? Before Deflategate or after Deflategate? Or maybe in the middle of Deflategate. I, I don't know. This broke this Peyton Manning story. There was somebody named Charlie Sly, and they were, you know, you know, they were videoing this kid, and he was talking to people about, you know, giving them performance-enhancing drugs, and, uh, you know, they caught him. I mean, he was... You know, he he was out there dishing out HGH, and he named pro athletes. And one of the pro athletes he named was Peyton Manning. And, you know, the story was that he said, you know, he used to work at this, the Gaia Clinic, it was called. And he used to work at this clinic, and Peyton Manning and his wife would come in, and they would get, you know, HGH. And, you know, this story broke, and it's like, well, who is this Charlie Sly you know, why should we believe this kid? And I connected the dots on this podcast when that was going on because Charlie Sly was connected to this uh, this whole, what was it, a gym or a training facility in Florida that was, you know, he was connected to this training facility and that 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 gym or that training facility just shut down out of nowhere. Like, their website was off, their Facebook was down, but there were pictures of that stuff beforehand, and this training facility was linked to the players that Charlie Sly mentioned, the guys like Ryan Howard, Ryan Zimmerman, and I'll get I, I'll get to them. Who was the other one? The um, someone from the Green Bay Packers too. Was it Clay Matthews? There were a couple guys that were connected to this gym, and the guy running the gym, you know, he was somebody that was linked to performance enhancing drugs. So it all came together. It was like, well, maybe this kid. You know, he, he maybe this kid isn't out there just lying about everything. And then after it came out, this kid, Charlie Sly, recorded a, was it a YouTube video? where He's obviously reading something off camera. And he basically says, every you know, he wasn't telling the truth. All the stuff that, that Al Jazeera had recorded him saying, which Charlie Sly didn't know he was being recorded, he said, none of the stuff I said was true. And then the story is that Peyton Manning and his legal team, they sent some people to Charlie Sly's home. To the point where Charlie Sly's family, was it his sister or his mother? Somebody called the cops and was like, these guys, I don't know what they're doing. So it, what it looks like is Charlie Sly got caught. And he got caught. Ratting out Peyton Manning for taking HGH. And Peyton Manning had to respond. And he responded by sending people to Charlie's... Basically sent two hitmen to Charlie Sly's house to make him film a YouTube apology. That's basically what this thing came down to. And uh, over the weekend, the Hollywood Reporter got its hands... And and the Hollywood Reporter, what is that? I don't necessarily know. I didn't know before this, but on Twitter, they have a heck of a following. So they got it's got to be pretty legit, legitimate. The Hollywood Reporter got its hands on unsealed court documents from Ryan Howard and Ryan Zimmerman's defamation suit against Al Jazeera. Again, it's important to note that a lot of this stuff is, it's like, I don't know if it was ever really about Peyton Manning, but it all see it always seems to come back to Peyton Manning. There's a defamation suit right now against Al Jazeera. 
and it's from Ryan Howard. Remember him? Played for the Phillies. Uh, and Ryan Zimmerman, Major League Baseball players. A defamation suit because they were named in this. You know, Charlie Sly was mentioned in them as well. Defamation suit against Al Jazeera. Be- with this defamation suit, because of this defamation suit, the Hollywood Reporter got its hands on unsealed court documents. And in these unsealed documents, there are a couple passages about the Peyton Manning stuff. It says on one of them that Peyton Manning's lawyers confirmed much of what Charlie Sly had to say. So, that's pretty big news. Because Charlie Sly had to say a lot about Peyton, I should say enough about Peyton Manning and HGH to the point where you would think this would be a major story, only it's not. And now that you got unsealed documents, unsealed court documents, all right, that are not even, like this isn't, this wasn't about Peyton Manning. This was about Ryan Howard and Ryan Zimmerman. And then this is just out there. And uh-oh, it says Peyton Manning's lawyers confirmed much of what Charlie Sly had to say. And uh, that's huge. That is huge. Because that basically tells you that Peyton Manning's lawyers confirmed... Confirmed what? That Peyton Manning took HGH? Received HGH? Forget about taking. How about just receiving HGH? Like, how about just being linked to HGH? And how about Manning's lawyers confirming that he's been linked to HGH? You're telling me that this isn't a story? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there was a video? Let's get, give me a give me an outlet. I don't know. USA Today. I'm making this up. But let's say USA Today had a had a video in which they were following around some kid who used to work at a at a who used to work at the TB12 center. And they were following him around. And there was an hour-long video that they released on, on their website. Which, again, is what Al Jazeera did by following around this kid, Charlie Sly, and videotaping him and Charlie Sly not knowing. And Sly was talking to this, that, the other guy. Oh, I can get you this, I can get you this. Oh, hey, I used to work at this place. And, and Peyton Manning used to come in and get HGH all the time. And then, you know, later on, there's unsealed court documents that say... Peyton Manning's lawyers confirm much of what Charlie Sly had to say. Well, bring it back to now. And again, I'm making this up, but let's just say in a similar fashion, uh, an outlet like, I don't know, USA Today, they were following around some kid who used to work at the TB12 Center. You know, my let, let's say the kid was just talking out of his ass. And he mentioned HGH and Alex Guerrero. Whether it's true or not, could be the biggest lie of all time. You mean to tell me that ESPN would ignore that story? Give me a fucking break. That is what's so absurd with this. That is why it amazes me that you can ignore this. Like, if you're an ESPN analyst and you got, and I don't even, I don't listen to the, like they have that show Get Up on TV in the morning with Michelle Beadle, Jalen Rose, and who's it, Mike Greenberg? If you're Jalen Rose, all right, you got a nice job with ESPN. I get it. You don't want to piss people off. What's preventing you from going? Like, that's a radio show, right? What's preventing you from saying, hey, how about this Peyton Manning HGH story? <laughs> Could you? Because he wouldn't even have to do that if it was linked to Tom Brady. 
It would be it would be the top story. They would open the show with it. And again, I made up that USA Today thing. I made up. That's made up. I'm just trying to take the Al Jazeera Peyton Manning thing. And then on, on top of it, let's just say that that made up USA Today story with Tom Brady, Alex Guerrero that I just told you about. Let's say that a year later, there were unsealed court documents that showed Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee, or his lawyers confirmed much of what this kid had to say about Alex Guerrero and the TB12 Center. You mean they wouldn't be talking about that story? Oh my God, they wouldn't just be talking about it. They would be ripping the rings off the guy's fingers. They, 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 they wouldn't want this guy to play another game in the NFL. They'd be like, oh, there it is. That, no wonder why he's playing so well. He's an MVP at 40 years old. But what, they don't say that about Peyton Manning coming back from a broken neck? Like, it is all so crazy. And, and, it, and I know some people on Twitter uh, responded to me going, why are you amazed? Like, you, you should expect this. The Manning family, ESPN, you should expect this. I mean, I expect it to an extent. But I think there's a certain point that regardless of who it is and how much you like him, at a certain point, you got to talk about it. You got to do something. Run an Associated Press. Sto- is there even an Associated Press story on it? Unsealed court documents. I think the most beautiful part about these unsealed court documents is that it's not even coming from something that's supposed to be Peyton Manning related. It just kind of falls in everybody's lap based on something that's going on with Ryan Howard and Ryan Zimmerman on a defamation suit with the same Al Jazeera story. Peyton Manning is forever linked to Charlie Sly. And as long as there are unsealed court documents that say Peyton Manning's legal team confirmed much of what Charlie Sly had to say, then to me, this guy might as well just be guilty of it. So they can deny that all they want. These are unsealed court documents. So I don't really know. I mean, what are we arguing against right now? What what are you denying against? I don't think they knew this stuff was even going to get out. Because this defamation suit wasn't about Peyton Manning. It was about Ryan Howard and Ryan Zimmerman. That's the beautiful part of it all. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. What what do we got here? Look at this little, little bit of news. Look at this little twist to this story. I mean, I told you it always seems shady. Two guys show up to Charlie Sly's house. I mean, this is, you know, this is mobster shit. This is gangster stuff. I, this is stuff you can't make up. And next thing you know, Charlie Sly's on YouTube like, oh, everything I said was false. Well, everything you said was false. You didn't even know you were getting recorded. Like, it's one thing if Charlie Sly knew he was getting recorded and he was working with Al Jazeera and they were they were trying to set Peyton Manning up. He didn't know anything. Al Jazeera sent somebody on him to go get some drugs to see what was going on, to see how somebody who wanted to get back into the Olympics, I think the guy was, to see how he could, you know, get there and get a little help. And they found someone that could help him. And this kid who could help him, he knew an awful lot about some people. He knew an awful lot about PEDs. He knew an awful lot about this Gaia Clinic and HGH and other pro athletes. He worked with a trainer and down at a gym in Florida that all of a sudden, when this story came out, closed its doors out of nowhere. The gym shut down. The website shut down. They 
they deleted their Facebook account, and that account and that gym had pictures with guys that were all linked to this Charlie Sly story, Ryan Howard, Zimmerman, a couple NFL players. So it, it, it's funny to me that everybody wants to just look at this and say, oh, Charlie Sly, you know, he's a kid. He's not telling the truth. Oh, look, he came up with a YouTube video and denied it. Yeah, he denied it because Peyton Manning's lawyers sent people to his house, probably put a fucking gun to his head and said, you know, what do you want? You want to do a YouTube video denying it? Or, you know, do you want to be going to a funeral next week? <laughs> like, I mean, that that's pretty much how I see it. So, um, I, I, it amazes me that they're ignoring this. Unsealed court documents say that Peyton Manning's lawyers confirmed much of what Charlie Sly had to say. And what Charlie Sly had to say was basically Peyton Manning came in to get HGH at a place he used to work in. Him and his wife. So, uh, how that isn't a major story? That new twist? It's beyond me, especially when you consider what they would do to this story if it wasn't Peyton Manning. If you replaced Peyton Manning with Tom Brady and you replaced, I don't know, the Gaia Institute with the TB12 Center. Right? What would they do with this story? And I don't think that NFL reporters for ESPN want to ignore it. I mean, I don't think that at all. I think it's probably ESPN that's like, eh, you know what? We're not going near this. Not going near it. And that's just crazy to me. Because at some point, you got to talk about this. And they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. I wish somebody, though, would just go off, you know, hot mic on, on, on an ESPN radio show. And go, you know what? ESPN isn't the be-all, end-all for me. I Somebody, I'll get a job somewhere. I'm just going to go on this radio show right now and I'm going to say, hey guys, what's up? I know this isn't on the script that you gave me, but are we not going to talk about this Peyton Manning HGH story? <laughs> oh, that would that would blow the roof off the joint for sure. They might they might come in and yeah, let's, let's say Jalen Rose wanted to do that on that little get up morning show. They would come in and rip him out of his seat during the next commercial break, and they would act like they would give everybody the, they would give Greenberg and Beetle the men in black treatment and, and make them, you know, misremember everything that happened in the last 24 hours, and they would just start a whole new show, and like nothing ever happened. Right? I mean, I would love to see it. I, and I, I, I don't think, if, if somebody wanted to do that, I wouldn't look at them and go, oh, what a nut bringing up this story. I'm expecting them to do it, because they would do it for anybody else. Anybody else, they'd be talking about this. But not Peyton Manning? It's a major story. And the major networks are ignoring it. And it's an embarrassment. It really is. It's an embarrassment. So, uh, I gave you my two cents. I mean, I only have so much of a voice, but I don't know. Try tweeting at them. You know they read their Twitter. Right? You know they're doing that. I mean, they care about stories about anonymous Twitter accounts. So, you know they care about Twitter. But they don't care about Peyton Manning using HGH? Last I checked, based on the timeline there, he ended up winning another Super Bowl. So, it's funny. The same people that went all in on air pressure in a football do not want to touch HGH with Peyton Manning. They don't want to touch it. 
And it's an embarrassment. So uh, we move on. Maybe they'll bring it up if they do. If they make it a story, you know, we'll continue to talk about it. But right now, I have no other choice but to move on. To Major League Baseball, I'll close it out with this. Uh, The Red Sox split a four-game series in Houston over the weekend. I mean, if you're the Red Sox, you take that. You take that. You got injuries. Mookie bets to the DL. At first, this was like, hey, this is day-to-day. Then Mookie goes to the DL with a strained abdominal muscle. Now, this is, look. There are some injuries where I'm like, you know, the the average human cannot relate. I actually, this is one of those ones I think the average human can relate to it. Strained abdominal, like you you know what that what that feels like, and you know any little thing that you do is could tweak that and set you back even further. Especially if you're swinging a baseball bat full time, they got to take it easy with Mookie Betts because this thing this is something that could get out of control. So I'm okay with the DL stint. But when you factor that into Dustin Pedroia now going back to the DL, that's right. This is this doesn't look good. And, and I know you again. This is another one you have to handle it this way if you're the Red Sox, right? Petro, Dustin Pedroia has the knee surgery, gets back finally, got some soreness there. If, is it inflammation? He he flew back to Boston to get some tests while the team was in Houston over the weekend. Dustin Pedroia back to the DL with this, with soreness in the same knee. Um, that's not good news. And in fact, if I had to put money on something, I, and I hope I'm wrong because they're obviously a better team when Pedroia is on the field and, and, and is on the field healthy. But if you're already getting this checked out again, leaving the team, feeling soreness, maybe some more inflammation, you're going to get some more time off. You're on the DL. This just smells like another surgery coming, doesn't it? It just smells like that to me. And and that's not good, obviously. Because, again, you got Mookie bets at a DL. And, and keep an eye on one other thing. J.D. Martinez, as good as he has been, and he's been great, dealing with a little back injury that I don't know how long he's been dealing with this for, but uh, he was in the dugout over the weekend pointing to it. And and maybe this is another one that the, the average fan an injury that the average fan can, you know, can basically say, hey, I've had one of those. I know what that's like. You can't be rushing back with that. A lower back injury is what they were pointing to? I I don't think we know the full details on that, but keep an eye on that one as well. But just on top of it all, you have these injuries now. You have these these situations. And, and Hanley Ramirez is gone. You released him. Because you wanted to get Pedroia back on the active roster. And I told you when they made this move, I told you last week, I didn't agree with it. And I am not somebody that sits here and tells you that Hanley is great for this clubhouse. I don't I don't sit here and tell you that Hanley is not frustrating at times during a 162-game season to watch because his interest doesn't really seem all there. I, I actually, I've crushed him many times for that. For, for seeming, seeming, you know, somewhat disinterested in it all. But that said, I mean, at the time that you cut Hanley Ramirez, DFA'd him, and I know people will say it's about the money, and I guess that's my biggest beef. So he's got the vesting option if he gets 497 total plate appearances this year, if he did with the Red Sox. An option would be picked up on him for next year for 22 mil. So you you tell me right now, you you cut Hanley Ramirez because you didn't want to pay him 22 mil next year. 
But what's to say he won't be good next year? One. Two, even if he, let's say he wasn't good next year and you were going to have to pay him 22 mil, why couldn't you DFA him next year? And obviously you'd still have to pay him. But like, are the Red Sox really, like, uh, is that where we're at right now with the Red Sox? You make a move like that so you can save 15 to 20 mil? I mean, I get it. It's easy for me to say it's not my money. But the way I look at the Red Sox, and I always will, they are a big market club, and they are not going to have to cut jobs in Yaki Way if they had Hanley Ramirez for 22 mil next year and they ended up having to cut him next May. What I'm telling you is you should be looking at right now. And right now, the Red Sox are a better team, especially with all these new injuries. They're a better team with Hanley than without him. That's it. They're a better team with Hanley than without him. Now, Ken Rosenthal came up with a new story over the weekend that I I guess speaks volumes about another reason why maybe they wanted Hanley out. And I had sort of hinted towards this as well, that there was something maybe going on in the clubhouse. Hanley didn't want to play first base. He certainly didn't want to platoon at first. He, you know, he, I think he wanted to be the full-time DH. Um, and, you know, it, it was going to, it was going to be tough, obviously, because you got J.D. Martinez. I mean, J.D. Martinez is playing out of his mind. Mitch Moreland swinging a hot bat. I mean, you know, there was, the, the, I could understand some maybe tension in the clubhouse if Hanley wasn't necessarily getting his way and wasn't playing where he wanted to all the time and, and maybe could be some type of uh, clubhouse issue. Because of that. I can understand that. And, and and because this was Alex Cora's decision, so they're saying, to get rid of Hanley Ramirez when they were bringing Dustin Pedroia back, it kind of seemed like that as well. That this was more of a clubhouse issue thing. Well, Ken Rosenthal, over the weekend, he had a story, and, and I'll give you the quote from the story in which he tries to explain the Hanley Ramirez release uh, from a clubhouse perspective. He says, quote, Some with the Red Sox believe the removal of Ramirez from the clubhouse will create more room for others to assert themselves and become leaders. One player who is a top candidate to assume such a role? J.D. Martinez. Dustin Pedroia is the only other prominent veteran among the team's position players, and he is back on the DL. End quote. So Ken Rosenthal comes out and says that, you know, you get rid of Hanley, and that opens the door for someone like J.D. Martinez to become the veteran leader with Pedroia Hurt still. And it's like, you know, I have a problem with that. I do. I have a problem with that. Like, so what? You So J.D. Martinez can't step up and be a... And I'm not even asking him to be a vocal leader in the clubhouse. Do what you're doing with the bat. That's all I need. But what about guys like Xander Bogots? And even to an extent before he got injured, Mookie Betts, those, at some point, those kids are going to have to step up and assume a leadership role. And uh, I guess, what, they need Hanley to be gone to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I'll tell you. If you hit 571 in the postseason, that's the type of leadership I want. Go get the job done on the field. Don't come up with other excuses and stuff going on in the clubhouse. At the end of the day, all we've ever wanted from this team is go perform on the field. It's when they don't perform on the field and things are happening in the clubhouse, that's when we're like, all right, now you got to figure it out. But, I mean, look, I get it. Hanley Ramirez was having a terrible month of May. You can't ignore the fact that he was playing out of his mind in April. 
He was hitting almost 400 in April. Hanley. All right, he had a tough May. I mean, historically, May, as I told you last week, May is Hanley Ramirez's worst month. But I said, hit 571 in the postseason. That's the type of leadership I want. Last postseason, Hanley Ramirez was the Red Sox best player. He hit 571. I know it was a short series in the ALDS. Four games against Houston. Team that ended up winning the World Series. Uh, but he still was the best player. And, and when you released Hanley, you weren't even two baseball months removed from that postseason. And he had a and he had a fantastic April. So it's like, what are you making that move for? And now, especially with these injuries, I'm looking at it going, yeah, that's not a good move. You cut Hanley Ramirez. Now Mookie's on the DL. Pedroia's on the DL. JD Martinez got a little back issue. You know, I, every time, and, and I'm gonna look at this. Every time JD Martinez has something pop up, I'm gonna sit back and go, uh-oh. Even if it looks minor at first. Because you see the way J.D. Martinez is swinging the bat. You see how good he is at the plate, right? Why did nobody want him this offseason? What is going on? Then there was a medical issue. They were, they, were, they were looking at something. They said it was, what, the foot? Um, what else were they looking at? I mean, anytime something comes up with J.D. Martinez, I'm going to go, uh-oh. What's this going to lead to? Because you... S- you know, you signed the guy at a time in which, you know, you waited, you waited, you waited, you know, pitches and catches report. Nobody wants J.D. Martinez. Why? I always ask that question. Why don't they want him? What is going on? And so, you know, am I overreacting? Maybe to a little back issue, an issue with J.D. Martinez's back? Maybe. But I tell you why I'd be, I'm overreacting even more is because you don't have Hanley Ramirez. You released him. And I told you that wasn't a smart idea at the time. And I'm reminding you again how I feel about it because I feel even more so now that you got guys hurt. We'll see how it all plays out. But, um, you know, it's only June 4th. We're excited about this Red Sox team. You know, you look at the standings in Major League Baseball, the Red Sox have 41 wins. They have a 41-19 and record. They're only a game ahead of the Yankees in fir- for first place in the AL East. As crazy as that is. Now, the Yankees, they got some games to make up. They're, they're being affected with rainouts left and right. You got Tampa Bay in third place, 12 games out. They're done. Um, You know, if you wanted to play that little, if the playoffs began today, the Red Sox would be the number one seed in the American League. It would. And, uh, you know, They'd, I mean, they'd also be, they'd also be playing. They'd be playing the Yankees, I think, right? Uh, they'd be playing the winner of the Yankees and the Astros, and which is the wild. They'd be playing either the Yankees or the Astros in the first round as the number one seed. So I mean, you got to get there. The Red Sox are going to get to the postseason. What are they going to do when they get there? I get back to last year. Hanley Ramirez was your best hitter in the postseason. It's a long regular season. Um, but you're dealing with injuries and and how do you, how do you battle through these injuries? Well, ideally, ideally you'd have someone like Hanley where you'd sit there and go, Hey, he had, you know what? He had a bad month in May, turn it around in June. (laughs) It's like, he doesn't have that opportunity to do it because he's gone. You released him. 
and 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 so I still don't agree with that move. But that's where we stand. I mean, I can't complain too much about the Red Sox because again, they got 41 wins, like I just told you. Uh, they're a fun team to watch, and it's just they got some injuries, and there's some other stuff that's cropping up that I'm I'm keeping an eye out for here moving forward because it is such a long season. So uh, that's what we got. Anything that happens in the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final uh, at Patriots Mandatory Minicamp, which begins tomorrow, Tuesday, June 5th. I'll react to it all on Thursday's podcast. I'm here twice a week, every Monday and Thursday. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podcast One, literally anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Don't forget, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Get caught up on my new YouTube series, 363 Off the Air. I just released episode four about a week and a half ago. So go watch that. Get caught up on previous episodes and keep an eye out for episode five and also a new show. That's right, another new show that I'll be launching to my YouTube channel very very soon enjoy the rest of your week everybody stay warm out there in this 50 degree weather in the month of june Unfucking believable i am out talk to you again on thursday 